Hi, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I'm Sunny. I'm so glad you're here. This week, I'm talking with author, podcaster, actress, and director Gabrielle Stone. You may be familiar with her viral and wildly popular book, Eat, Pray, FML, where she talks all about bouncing back after finding out her husband of a year and a half is cheating on her with a 19-year-old. Then she rebounds with a guy who seems like he has it all until he ditches her 48 hours before a scheduled month-long romantic getaway to Italy. Gabrielle decides to take the trip alone, heartbreak and all, and that's when the magic starts. Since her book has gone viral, she's followed it up with a sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, also massively popular. And now she's found her true love and has a baby to boot. But you can't reduce Gabrielle's story just to the men who wronged her. She's taken all the lessons she's learned from her hardships and put them into a podcast, FML Talk, which is for anyone who's been screwed over in life, somehow, somewhere. So that means it's for everyone. In FML Talk, Gabrielle gets candid about the challenges and joys of relationships, friendships, and motherhood, and inspires us all to get up off our asses and get beyond the drama and trauma for a better, happier life. In this episode, we cover all the drama from her relationships, how she recovered, her career as an actress, and what it was like growing up in Hollywood, how she got through the darkest of times to find happiness and a good partner, and her answer to the ever-relevant question, once a cheater, always a cheater? So pretty much 40 minutes worth of solid girl talk. I promise you will find something in this episode that you relate to. Enjoy, and we'll see you on the flip side with more. baby that we've been hearing about uh he's so good he's so squishy and so cute um and he's really like for all intents and purposes like a really great baby that's you're very lucky i know that like people hate to like say like oh there's no bad there are bad babies there are babies that just you know like not bad like but just you know the ones that don't say no yeah ones that my my cry. friends my friends are experiencing it so i can say confidently that i have a great one and i'm very blessed and very lucky and can continuously counting my my lucky stars. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, well, we introduced you a little bit. Everybody knows you. Well, a lot of people know you from your very interesting personal story that sort of burst you onto the scene of being an author and then leading to the podcast and sort of becoming a personality of sorts, all based on something that happened in your life that was just insane. And I don't want to steal your thunder, Gabrielle. I want you to tell us the story of 2017. First of all, can I just say that I love, I can totally see your like newscaster background in the best way, like your journalism. (laughs) No, and it's, it's such a compliment. Like it's like the most fun type of interviews to do. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll tell you my 2017 (laughs) drama. Let's go, Sunny. Uh, Okay. So I I was married for almost two years and I found out that my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months filed for divorce, left. And shortly after that, I met this guy who was a pretty well-known Hollywood actor. We fell madly in love with each other and had this whirlwind romance. He was like, meet my family. We're going to have babies together, like all the fairy tale nonsense. And he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy with him. 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. This man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I was sitting on my bed at my mother's house because that is where you go when you are 28 and getting divorced and just in a pool of tears with a bottle of wine and was like, okay, 
I can either stay at home and be heartbroken or I can go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took a backpack and I did six countries over the span of the month and I wrote the book Eat, Pray, FML. Oh my God. And let's be honest, Gabrielle, we would rather hang out with the Italian guys anyway than the American guys. So it's all good. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, there's so much to dig into. So we're, we're rewinding back to the beginning of that story. 19 years old. Like, okay. Now you were youngish. It sounds like too, when you got married the, the first time, how old was, how old were you and how old was he? Uh, he was the one guy I've ever dated that was younger than me, which is like the first red flag, I guess. Um, he was, I think 20, three when we got married and I was 24. Um, and we were together for five years. And when the, uh, the divorce and the affair was happening, I was 28. Uh, here's what I just don't get. And I just said this to someone yesterday because we were talking about a, a, like a cheating situation. Like I, I, I get it with men. They're fucked up. Like they just are what they are. Right. I always say like, surprise me, like be the guy who doesn't act like an app. Like that's the surprise right. when I have all, I mean, all these stories are starting to come out girl, you hit your forties and like the stuff starts coming out and you're like, what? So you hear a lot of this men misbehaving, but what really gets me is that the, the women who are part and parcel in this, and I'm not mm-hmm. like waving my feminist flag all the time. But it, there's something really rotten about a chick who's going to do that with a married man. Was there any crossover? Did you did you know this person? Was it the emotional betrayal on top of it? And how overall, how do you confront someone who's making that poor of decisions and even really want to hear out their side of the story? Yeah, that it's there's so many good questions in there. Um, so for starters, I did not know her as far as I know to this day, which like the amount of people that came forward to offer information over the years has been wild. Um, But as far as I know, they met at the gym. I don't think she necessarily knew he was married. If she did, it was like, we're sleeping in separate beds. Like it's a whole, you know, the sob story, the man sob story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there, there was a lot of lies told, um, on, on his part. And I've gotten a lot of questions on like my TikTok videos and stuff that, you know, are done for shock value to go viral, get the views because once, that happens, people are then reading the book, which is a self-love healing journey. And I know they're going to get so much out of it. So I don't mind doing the videos that's like, my husband cheated on me with a 19-year-old. Like if it's going to get you to buy the book, buy the book and then go heal and have a lot of really great shit happen in your life. Um, (laughs) But the reason why I always mention that she's 19, because people are like, well, why do you have to point out her age? Why does that matter? Like, isn't it like she's an adult? And I know from being a woman myself, from now being a mother, um, from being 19 at one point, like you're not emotionally mature at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not the age difference that was a problem, like 19 and 28, my, my current husband and I have a bigger age gap than that. Um, it's the age she was and, um, hearing how there was a lot of manipulation um, Mm. that went into it and how impressionable you are at that age when, you know, a seemingly successful 28-year-old comes into your life and starts, you know, feeding you a bunch of bullshit and the whole dream. Um, And I look back on that relationship and I'm really, really eternally grateful that I got out when I did because Mm -hmm. I have seen – 
for lack of better words, how um, destructive and abusive that relationship became and how thankful I am that I got out before my relationship turned that corner. I'm, I'm sure it was hard to get to the lesson there. I always tell my kids it's a blessing or a lesson. The lessons are hard because they they take a long time to come out. They You got to dig for mm-hmm. them in the rubble. How long was it until you were able to sift through, take a minute and and have that realization, not just your friend being like, girl, you're so lucky. Like, but, and you're like, yeah, but no, no. When you were like, nope, this was not my path. And I was yeah. saved from that. Like h- how long was that? Uh, this is going to sound insane, but literally while I was driving away from my house after he was handed divorce papers, um, wow. which was probably two weeks after I found all of like the proof. Um, but I will say, it was an intuitive feeling. Like I knew I had just dodged a fucking army of snipers. Like I just knew that this was my second chance of like a new lease on life. Now, the second guy that devastated my soul, not so much. That lesson took years for me to be like, ah, okay, got it. This is why I had to go through all this. That one was not fun. Um, However, I will say I am a huge believer that everything happens for a reason. And even when I was dumped before getting on the plane for Europe, I knew I could see the reasons why it was happening. It didn't feel great. I was still heartbroken, but I could look at the bigger picture and be like, oh, of course I'm going to learn these lessons. Like this sucks, but like, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it had to have felt like just a double whammy in the worst way to have had that realization, be proud of yourself find someone who you felt was like holding you in, in emotionally giving you what you deserve and then to have that happen again. I mean, that's, that's tough. Was, was there a moment there where you even consider just staying still, not going, going back to your mom's, you know, your childhood bedroom in your mom's house? And, or did you know that like, if I don't keep moving, it's just, it's going to be bad. Yeah. I think there was a little, if I don't keep moving, there was definitely a little, I will be damned if I yeah. watch him like go travel across Europe and I'm sitting at home crying. Um, and there was a lot of, I know this is happening for a reason. Um, so when I was six years old, I lost my dad pretty traumatically. I walked in and found him dead on the floor from a heart attack. Um, and then when I was 18, I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident. So I had been living with this subconscious fear of abandonment. And when I love someone, they leave a belief for years and years and years growing up. And what happens when you have a subconscious belief is that you will subconsciously attract things into your life to be able to prove that belief accurate. So while I was walking around going, okay, when I love someone, they leave, or when I love someone, they die, and I'm afraid to be abandoned, I then attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me mm. you know, in one of the most heinous ways possible. And then I attracted the man after, Javier, who quite literally abandoned me 48 hours before we were getting on this plane that he invited me on. So the universe was like trying to literally shake me and be like, okay, are we ready to go heal this? Like you've always been afraid to be alone. You've been afraid to be abandoned. So now we are literally putting you on a plane, go mm-hmm. be by yourself across the world where you don't have mom, you don't have friends, you don't have anyone. Like let's go learn how to be alone. So I knew I could see what the path was. I could see like, okay, yeah, this makes total sense. This checks out. It was devastating and I was 
heartbroken and it sucked. But even now, looking back on all of it, it's like a blueprint. It's like, of course, she had to go do that. Of course, she had to go through both those heartbreaks. So like she could go on this trip, write the book, change a bunch of people's lives. Like I would do it 10 times over to end up where I'm at now. Yeah. You, you wouldn't change a thing. No, not one single thing. So what what was that month like? I mean, you get on the plane, you're understandably devastated, right? You're you're recalibrating, you're understanding, okay, like there's something that's gotta change. I gotta I, I at least need to be in a new environment. When you land, what's the first thing you do? Like I, I'm just curious, even from a logistical standpoint, like I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> if I had like 48 hours and I like knew I had to go to Italy for a month, like what like what do you do? Like, where do you stay? Because you were presumably gonna be doing this trip with him. So like Tell me all the things. Like, what is the, what did you do to survive that month? So first of all, I'm so type A, it's ridiculous. So for you to tell me like you're going on a month-long trip and you don't have shit planned was like my actual worst nightmare. <laughs> um, but such a good exercise in letting go and giving up control. Um, luckily, I have a girlfriend that I went to high school with who lived in London. And our flight was from LA to London. And then we were supposed to connect from London to Rome. So we flew 11 hours sitting next to each other uh, from LAX to London. And then he went on to Rome and I started my trip in London. The silver lining of all of this was instead of just doing a month in Italy, which is amazing and beautiful, um, I got to go to so many more places that I would have never seen. I ended up doing London, Amsterdam, Paris, um, Barcelona, Um, Rome, Sicily, like I I went all over and it was really the fact that had no plan that made the trip what it was. So I would Mm -hmm. be in London and on the third day in London, I was like, I guess we'll go to Amsterdam next and let's buy a plane ticket or let's buy a train. So it was very like by the seat of my pants traveling. (laughs) Tell me like the cast of characters. So obviously you, you had your friend in London, you had that sort of soft landing there. Do you take off from there? You're alone most of the rest of the trip. And like, if that's the case, like, what are we doing? Are we going to coffee shops and just like waiting for people to come up and talk to us? Like, just walk me through this. I'm so interested. Yeah. So I had never solo traveled um, before other than like, you know, I was working as an actress at the time. So like flying to the film set where then you're welcomed by everybody you're going to be family with for the next month. Um, So I would really like, I was not comfortable. Like solo travel was not, it was like not a thing. Um, So I got in London, I got to like have my jumping off point with my girlfriend. That was the only place where I knew someone prior. Um, I went to Amsterdam after that and stayed at this woman's house, kind of like an Airbnb situation, but she was someone that a friend of a friend knew. So it felt like a little safe, like, okay, I'm not going to get murdered. <laughs> it's it's going to be okay. Um, and then following cities after that, I was in straight up hostels, like, which is, you know, you've seen the horror movie, all that you know. Oh, yeah. Stuff, like, people get brutally murdered and like we've all seen taken. So um, it's not like that have to report. It's like adult summer camps. It's the most fun places that you can go. But you meet so many people staying at hostels that kind of like become this like little family and end up with all of these new friendships. Um, so I met so many people on that journey. It was unbelievable. People that I'm still in touch with and friends with till this day. And were they people in like a similar sort of state of flux or transition or, you know, I mean, I'm I'm guessing if they're staying in hostels, they're younger, they're kind of 
you know, they're not necessarily yes. like having like the next three weeks of their lives planned out, but like, what was the vibe there like? Did you, do you feel like you healed through some of their experiences too? Oh, what a good question. Um, yes, they were definitely all younger. I remember being like, I am by far the oldest one here. And mind you, I was 28. So in the book, I'm like, but I feel so fucking old. And now I'm 35 looking back on it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm still not old. And I was harping on, okay, anyways, um, how we feel in our 20s. Um, but there were, there were people that were going through experiences not similar to mine, but everybody was definitely on their mm -hmm. own journey. No one was just like, I'm here to party. Well, that's not true. A few of them were. But a lot of the people that I attracted um, had really incredible kind of journeys and stories that they were going through. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, I would tell everybody straight up, like, this is what I'm going through. I'm writing a book about it. If you are hanging out with me, there is a very good chance you will be in that book. Um, so now to look back on how big that book has become mm -hmm. and that a lot of the, you know, characters that are written about are like a tech guy from San Francisco and like so like not people that were ever, you know, intending to be in the public eye are now characters in this book that, you know, some of my readers happen to like try and stalk and like they're like, I have to find out who this person is. Um, it's a it's a very weird situation when you're like, yeah, I met this girl traveling and now I'm a character in a book. It's do, do you ever crazy. reveal that too? Like do you give more like sort of um Easter egg, like little hints dropped, or are you pretty strict about keeping names confidential? I do Easter eggs. I I also know certain people, certain characters in the book, like don't care. Like there, there was this girl in Barcelona that I traveled with for a little bit. She came on my podcast mm -hmm. um, and was like, it's me. Um, so <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of them don't care as much. There are, uh, of course, some of the men that are written about in the book who, um, are more protective of their privacy. I've never revealed um, the identities of my ex-husband or the man who broke up with me before Europe. Uh, although I know there are Reddit threads and blog posts. Like I've seen all the stuff online. Like people are very hardcore about finding out who they are. Um, but for me personally, I've just never confirmed or denied it because in the end, it's not about the men. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's, I love that. It's, it, they're just characters in the story that were pushing me onto this this path that I was supposed to be on. Was it tempting to, especially in the wake of of the sort of repetitive loss that you just went through, the divorce and then the breakup, was it tempting to like hop right back into another relationship or to find that other romantic storyline or person to fill your cup? Or did you realize that that was a danger zone. And you're like, you know what, this is just about me. Like, how did you navigate that? Because there's so much, especially because like your book is kind of like, you know, a loose sort of rendition or like a comical take on Eat, Pray, Love. And, you know, we all know how that story ends and it's a happy ending mm -hmm. and she goes to Italy and then to yes. wherever and finds her man. Like it was attempting to like one of your back into that happy ending territory. Um, it, yes, but not for the happy ending. Um, and I do write about this a little bit in the book. Um, I, I covered a lot of, I guess what you would call sexual trauma and um, beliefs that in order to fix my fear of abandonment, I had to use my body and my my sexuality to bring people close to me so that I would not feel abandoned. And that was a huge thing for me to uncover on that trip, um, to realize that I should have been 
holding myself on way higher of a pedestal um, Mm -hmm. and making that not something that I was giving away so easily or freely. Um, And I was doing it to protect myself, which in turn was hurting me. So it was this like big fucked up thing that I had to come to the realization of and unravel. Um, There were definitely men on the trip, um, some of which were you know, their purpose was to make me hit rock bottom and be like, wow, I need to like seriously fucking reevaluate my life. And some were a huge part in my healing. And Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for them in my life. Um, So a mixture of all of it. um, But the book is definitely not Eat, Pray, Love. It's very vastly different um, with happy endings and, and everything included. (laughs) What do you tell people? Because now you are, you know, sort of looking at this whole experience from a distance to you're, you're newly married or happily married with a baby. You have your family unit, you have your stepdaughter, you have the benefit of hindsight. What do you say to people who are in the thick of their lessons right now? That no matter how dark it may seem, because I've been there and that shit looks like you are in a blacked out void, um, no matter how dark it seems, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you will get there. You just have to keep going. And once you get there, it is more magical than I can describe, than you could imagine. You just have to keep going. Like, it's hard. I mean, like, you know, I've been through some some shit too. And there have been days where like, you know, they always say like, be grateful, find your moment of gratitude. And I'm like, you know what I'm grateful for, grateful for is that I have two legs. Like that's it. And yeah. that I'm breathing. Yeah. Like sometimes it really is like lowest common denominator. Um, yeah. Was there any specific practice or something you talked about with friends or loved ones that saved, like what saved you during that time? Yeah. So this is actually written about in the epilogue of Eat, Pray, FML because I didn't realize it until I came home. Um, and then it's expanded on in the in the sequel, which is The Ridiculous Adventures of a Single Girl, which is the two years after I came home from Europe. Um, and it's called The Self-Love Cocktail. When I came home from Europe, I fell into one of the biggest depressions I had ever been in um, because I had been on this month-long journey. It was like me being on the carousel. It was like new people, new cities, new adventures, like all this stuff. I'm writing the book. And then I got home and I stepped off the carousel and I was back at my mother's house, divorced, 28, and sad as fuck. Um, and I was like in bed multiple days and was like, I have to figure out a way to pull myself out of this. And I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things that I knew would either make me feel better or made me feel joy inside. And that was going going to the gym, eating healthy, meditating, creating, writing. Um, and I put that list on my mirror and I was like, okay, I am going to commit to giving myself one of these things every single day, at least one. And then I turned to getting back in bed and like watching my Netflix and like eating my ice cream. Um, And I would do that week after week. And then eventually I was like, okay, well, I'll do two things today. And I would continuously do that week after week. Okay, I'll do three things today. And then I like didn't really need to get back in bed and I would just continue going on throughout my day. Uh, And it was because I was loving myself. 
And I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves and taking care of yourself. So the fact that I now had a, my type A self had a checklist that I could show up for myself and do daily was a game changer for me. Because I always thought that self-love was this mythical thing you just started feeling one day and you just look in the mirror and you're like, I love you, Gabrielle. And I still feel fucking cuckoo when I do that. If you can do it, more power to you. Um, but this was like a tangible thing that I was like, okay, I'm now loving myself. And it pulled me out of the biggest depression I would ever been in. Yeah. It's so like, it's prescriptive, right? It's not yeah. pretty. It's not like, oh, you know, today I'm going to walk through a meadow of lavender. It's like, it's literally <laughs> like putting one foot on the ground and then the other foot on the ground. And like, yeah. it's, yeah, that's trauma is crazy like that. And and there are some days where it's okay to drink the bottle of wine and take a bubble bath and like mm -hmm. cry. I, that's fine. It's fine to be in the void. It's fine to be in the darkness. It's just mm -hmm. not okay to stay there. Yeah. I love that. I want to talk a little bit to Gabrielle. You have a unique um, life before um, the book and you are an LA native You had experience in the world of Hollywood and acting. I wonder if there's part of living that world that sort of prepared you for where you are now. Uh, you've really taken a really difficult moment in your life and created um, a wonderful community out of it, really. I think you've given a lot of women, especially, the freedom to sort of show up in in who they are and in their experiences and not feel ashamed that, hey, this happened to me. I was I was cheated on. I was like left out of whatever. Um, was there any like influence from how and where you grew up in your career and knowing that you would always be sort of a storyteller, I guess, for lack of a better word? Um. I think growing up and being an actress and then getting into directing, I knew that I wanted to do something in the entertainment space. I don't know if that necessarily guided me into when I decided to make the jump and tell the story publicly. What did really influence that was my upbringing from my mom, um, mm. who was you know, a, a, an actress and celebrity in her own right. She was the mom in E.T., she's in Cujo, she has a long, long, long list of um, film and television career. Um, but she really, watching her deal with the death of my father, um, she was across the world shooting a movie called The Frighteners in New Zealand when it happened. Um, and she flew back, uh, which is like a 24-hour travel day, um, flew back to me got all of his affair in order, had his celebration of life, put me and my nanny back on a plane, flew back 24 hours, dropped her suitcase and like went to that. Um, and that was my first really example of like when shit blows up in your life, like you keep going and this is how you get through it and you're going to be able to handle it. And that's kind of exactly what happened when I got the rug pulled out for me twice so quickly. It was like, well, I guess I'm going to Europe and I guess I'm going to make something out of this. And I, I can't say I went and was like, I'm going to – I knew I was going to write a book. Um, I just didn't know what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I just heard very clearly like this mm -hmm. is all happening for a reason. And like if I can figure out a way to share this journey, it's going to help heal a lot of other people that are dealing with it. And it's not just – Heartbreak and grief are universal, you know? Right. And I think that the reason why Eat Pray FML has been so successful is because instead of 
picking up like a self-help book that's like, this is how you're going to get through this situation. Step one, this is like you're sitting down with me having a glass of wine and like traveling across Europe and it's like a wild Netflix fun journey, but you're healing a lot through reading about how I'm discovering things and healing things and relating to that. What is the response? I know obviously it's, it's gone viral on social media quite a bit, but like, what has the response been the DMS you're like the direct contact you're having from people who are reaching out saying, Oh my gosh, I just found this. And I had, I had, I had to message you. Like, what are they saying? Um, I've gotten so many messages over the years that it's been out and I read every single DM that comes in that's related to the book because I know what a personal journey it is to go on it with me. So I know how personal those messages are going to be. Everyone's like, you should get an assistant. I'm like, I can't. Um, I have to, I have to be the one reading and responding to all of this. Um, and I take so much pride in that because I, I appreciate people that go on the journey with me. Um, I've had messages that say the book saved me from wanting to take my own life. I've gotten oh messages gosh. saying that I filed for divorce after reading this or I chose to stay and fight for my relationship when I was mm-hmm. going to file for divorce. Um, just a myriad of things and people resonating with um, the different traumas that I uncovered and like how I kind of worked through those. And um, it's shocking to to know how many people aren't devastated by the long relationship ending. It's usually mm-hmm. the one after that was a blip on the radar of like a few months. That's the most devastating thing to your soul. And I can relate. Um, yeah, so I've gotten a lot of those messages. Yeah. Is it because they thought they were, that was person was going to be saving them in some way or part of their healing process? Like why is that the harder move for a lot of people? I mean, I think each each relationship and situation is dependent. For me specifically, it ended and was like cut off so abruptly at the yeah. height of a honeymoon stage um, that it was so shocking to me. I was like, we were planning like years down the road and then two months in, it was just like cut off at the knees. Like that? Okay, I have questions. Did you ever talk to him again? Like what – what is his reasoning? I, what? Tell me. So, so reasoning hit. Well, okay, not the reasoning. His reasoning um, would be that he started experiencing a lot of grief that he had pushed down. He had lost his brother to suicide um, a year and a half earlier before he met me, and he would tell you that the love he experienced, like, kind of opened up the floodgates and, like all the grief came up to the surface. Um, the, I mean, he's written about in the sequel. Uh, he doesn't just like poof and go away, unfortunately. Um, so there, there's a long storyline with um, how that relationship kind of played out and things that came to light and me having to really come to terms with like, am I going to protect this person because I've dealt with grief and I mm-hmm. sympathize with what I'm being told or the reality mm-hmm. of a situation of like, this is still a full grown man that like it chose to be very careless with me and my heart. Mm-hmm. What would you, we, we talked on your podcast and, um, it came up that, you know, in talking about questions and like asking questions and understanding another side of an issue, we started talking about like the people, if you could sit across from people and ask them questions, if you yeah. could sit across 
and in a non-combative way and speak with both of these very pivotal people in your life. Um, like what were the thing, what are the things you would want to know now? Like what does today's Gabrielle want to know, if anything, about this? Right, right. Um, so with my ex-husband, I really would just be fascinated, not even with like the divorce that happened, like, but the slew of things that I witnessed on social media from people reaching out and telling me things. Um, I, I, I have no ill will towards him, which actually is surprising because when the book became successful, like he came out of the woodwork, um, Mm -hmm. and not took me to court like a normal person because he knows that he would have lost. Um, he like, you know, was attacking social medias Mm -hmm. and, um, like it, it, I could do a whole fucking lifetime movie on the the after effect of that. I yeah. would really sit across from him and just be like, dude, tell me the truth of your story. Cause like this is what we all put together on our end. Like, what were you actually doing? Mm-hmm. And like why? And just like walk me through your POV of the story because wow, dude, you really did a 180. Um and Javier. Honestly, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would need to ask anything, um, which feels so incredibly freeing to say. Um, if if people read the first book and the second book, like it was a long. I mean, it took me years to get over that relationship, um, and to find peace with it. And I don't, I don't feel that I would need to ask anything. Um, which is wonderful. That is, that's, that's progress. I mean, that's, that's growth. That feels like growth. Yeah. Yeah. On your podcast, you have, I know you've covered the topic of infidelity quite a bit and, um, you know, have come at it. Interestingly enough, the Mike Cawson episode, I mean, talk about like (laughs) wanting to see it from another person's perspective, you know, infamous cheating on his then wife and, um, I wonder if like that's been a healing journey for you too. I know you cover a lot of, you know, growth and and now motherhood and sort of like self-discovery and as well as the relationship stuff. But what have been some of the episodes that have either opened your eyes the most or been just the most interesting or fun for you? Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring up the Mike Hostin episode because that was like way back in season one. It was a two-part episode. And um, I was really good friends with Jana at the time, and um, it was wild when the when their marriage ended. Um, I remember speaking with her, and she was like, "He fucking lied through his teeth on that whole episode," and it really it did a couple things to me. It was like, "Holy shit!" Because I fucking was sipping the Kool-Aid. I was on that podcast being like, <laughs> you are so fucking evolved, bro. You are so well-spoken. You are so – you've done the work. You showed up. You're here. Right. Like, this is why women get fucked because, like, there's people like this. They're just the that world. good. Like, that's what I don't get because it did – it felt like an, a moment of evolution. But you're telling me, like, yeah. The, the- Wait, what? Yes. And I have experienced this now multiple times um, with my, like, friends, exes who have gone through – like, I had um, 
my good friend Carly Craig did a two-part episode where her five-year relationship like blew up and he was like completely living a double life and like we all were fooled. It's the same thing as my ex-husband. Like everybody was like not that person. No way. Um, And I remember first of all being like holy shit this is why people go through this. And the other half of me and I'm sure you can relate to this as, as a journalist was on this side of it being like, I fucking interviewed this person and yes. brought him on my show and was like, look how great it is when people work together and like came out the other end and then was like, am I, am I a like, dummy? bad for <laughs> bringing this person on and like cheering him on and like allowing him to have the platform? Like, look, he, this, this was years ago. He might be a totally different person now. Like I just, I'm speaking from my experience of like hearing from Jana, when that did happen, I was like, whoa, man, this, this is wild. And like, because you can't, I could have done a pre-interview. I still would have had one. He sure. sold me. I, I bought mean, the fucking ticket. <laughs> it's insane to me because they always say once a cheater, always a cheater. And you're like, but no, like I know this other couple and they like really got through it and they're fine. But like, you want to like find the logic out of that yeah. argument, out of that saying, like, what do you think about that saying after everything you've been through? And after that experience too, interviewing someone who you were convinced had evolved yeah, and come to find out that's not the case. Yeah. I would tell people that, look, I'm sure there is a small percentage of relationships that have gone through cheating and have come out the other end because both people are honest and good people and showed like want to show up and do the work and like, sure. It's a small percentage. Um, and I I personally, like there was no question in my mind if I was going to stay or leave that marriage. Um, there's, I don't think you can come back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when people are cheated on and they just want to make it work so badly for whatever their reason is, I don't think they're honest with themselves enough mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to be able to let this go. I'm going to be able to forgive the person because that is what it takes. It takes, of course, the other person showing up to the table and like, you know, earning your trust and giving you this and da 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 and doing ABCD. But it does take you forgiving that person and being able to let it go and not bring up the cheating 10 years down the road when you're in a fucking fight over who's putting the groceries away. Um, And a lot of people are not honest with themselves and they're like, I can do that. I can do that. And you, can you, can you really? That's that's so funny because it's so true. Like arguments about like past shit come up all the time in the weirdest of moments. You'll be like, yeah, like, I don't know, like unloading the Amazon packages. And I'm like, I fucking hate you. And I'm like, wait, where did I come from? You know? So yes, I mean like over, not that issue, but like things that you just bury that like come up, you rear their ugly head at certain times. That's interesting. Totally. Um, What's next for you? I know obviously the podcast is going gangbusters. You are always bringing on different guests that are, like I said, just so much outside of just that topic in particular. So what's next? What do you have planned and how are we going to continue to see you evolve on this public platform now? Yeah. So I I have the first two books, The Eat, Pray, FML, and then the sequel to that is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. Those are like their own kind of journey that has have now been completed. I am working on a new book right now uh, that will hopefully be out the middle of next year that's a more um, look back at different 
areas of my life um, and healing journeys throughout those. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, nothing like writing a book when you have a newborn. It's a wild experience. Um, over Overachiever over here. Um, and obviously, yeah, the podcast is every Wednesday. Um, it's called FM Talk. It's been a really great way to allow my readers to find a community and kind of have like a weekly therapy session um, mm -hmm. with people who aren't, you know, I don't look for guests that are like celebrity names. I look for guests that are well-spoken, have something to say and like can teach people something through their personal experiences. Um, and we are in like the very, 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 like so very early. It, I struggle whether I should even be speaking about it stages of, um, getting Eat, Pray, FML on the screen. Oh, that would be so fun. Okay, well, yeah. we'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll send you the good good vibes from all the good all vibes. I'll take it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, you, Gabrielle, thank you for spending time with me. You, Your platform brings so much authenticity and, and laughter and just levity to otherwise like really difficult topics. So thank you for taking the time to like walk through some of your journey with me and, and everybody here today. I I'm really, Thank really you. honored that you came on the podcast and we'll find you on social media too. I forgot to ask you that where, where, what are your handles and how do we find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone, TikTok at Gabrielle underscore Stone. And then the books are all exclusively on Amazon. Um, you can also get them on my website where we have all the podcast merch. Um, and info, which is eatprayml.com. Okay. Well, thank you again for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you can leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Abada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.